day. Amen. With some friends back we haven't seen in a long time. They've all grown like a foot. So good to see you guys. Y'all, I told you this privately, but their smiles, oh my gosh, you light up the room, you bring joy and excitement with you. So think of everywhere you go, you three, y'all bring joy and excitement with you. You bring adventure. So even, even when you go to school, remember that. You can bring it into the church. You can take it anywhere you go. You can change the atmosphere because you did today. I promise you, when you walked in, the atmosphere changed in the, in the church. Very true. So thank you for being here. We missed you guys. Good to see you. Great to have uh, Max and Danny back. Good to see you guys back. God's doing something really good. And, and today is a, a, another good day. We are relaunching our soft opening of our kids ministry, which we haven't had really for a while, quite a while actually. And Matt Wagner is taking that on as our kids pastor and he's going to do our media. Thank you, Matt. Whoop, whoop. And uh, so we're getting the room ready. And so to, before the room's ready, we're like, we want to go ahead and go for it and start preparing and seeing what it's going to look like. When the room's done, we're going to do a grand opening and we're going to have a party on a Sunday. And it's going to be fun. And we'll probably make the whole Sunday just about the kids' service, all right? And it's going to be a party. So that's coming pretty quickly. It won't be too long in the future. Matt and I, if, if Matt had help, he'd probably be, be further along with, with the room. So we got to get the floor done and painting. But we're, we're getting there. We're moving quickly. And I, thank you for taking it on, kids. So this is the way it'll go. Sundays, you'll come and worship with us. And then we'll release you to class. So if you want to go line up back there with, with uh, Josiah, is going to be Matt's assistant. And that's awesome. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> Well, you're going the wrong way, Jonah. <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> we used to do this all the time. So when we release our kids, I just want to pray over them and bless them. All right. Uh, so, Father, we love our kids. And we, first of all, want you to know that we are honored to have the children you've given to us our own children, and our friends' children. Thank you for letting us do life together. And we love them as much as we love our own kids, and we want the best for them, God. So, Father, I bless them today. I pray they would hear your voice, that they would learn how to hear your voice above all the noise in this world, and that they would love you and follow you all the days of their life. Raise up Esthers in this group. Raise up Daniels in this group. Oh, Joseph's in this group. Come on. Deborah's in this group. All right, we love you guys. Bless you. Amen. Amen. Children are a gift from God. Yep, and blessed is a man whose quiver is full of the arrows of their children. So, oh, come on. We love our kids. <clears throat> it's a good day. Yeah, it's a good day. If you want to go ahead and open your Bible to Genesis chapter 1, we're going to start in the beginning, right from the start. And I um, just want to give a quick report as you're going there to Genesis. shouldn't take too long to find that one, right? It's not like Habakkuk or Nahum or any of those. It's right there in the front. Um, but Friday night, uh, they had the, the Sean Foyt did his concert. He did his worship in the park. And they had around 7,000 people. They, they couldn't count, obviously. But the park was full of people. They had... I don't know how many people came to the altar to give their heart to Jesus, but it was, you couldn't count. I was, I was watching it on the live stream. Mandy was out there with Josiah and um, they, they stormed the stage to give their hearts to Jesus. And then when it was over, they had a truck with a, with a, <laughs> a trough in it. This is Texas, right? Fort Worth had a truck with a trough in it and they began to baptize people that had given their hearts to Jesus right there on the spot. So amazing. I heard that there were people that were demon possessed, people set free, that there were people healed 
physically healed in their bodies, that people were prophesied over there was reconciliation and relationships. So God is doing something amazing. And so it was really cool that, that, uh, that they came to, to our town, Fort Worth. At, you know, I'm more Fort Worth than Dallas. I have a shirt that says, Don't California, my Texas. Right? I saw a friend of mine told me they have one that says, don't Dallas my Fort Worth. <laughs> like, I need to get that shirt too. But so then the next day they came to Dallas and Sean and his team came to Dallas and they did a march. I think there was about 1,500 to 2,000 people that marched across the, the bridge, uh, Margaret Hunt Bridge or whatever the bridge is there, and up to the, to the courthouse where Roe v. Wade was uh, set up in the 60s. And um, they, they began to pray and offer repentance to the Lord for abortion and for the murdering of children, innocent children in our country, right there where Roe v. Wade was handed down. And so they made a declaration of life. So that's awesome, really cool that they did that. And I, I heard also that um, last week, so uh, 15 counties in the state of Texas have now banned abortion in their counties, 15. Now I'm like, okay, that's so cool. I, I don't know, like this has been something, yeah, let's give the Lord a hand for that. Yes, Lord. <laughs> we want more children and more life. We want more diversity. You know the number one family that is uh, affected by abortion? It's the African-American family, number one. More African-American children are aborted than any other child. It's not even close. It's very disproportionate. And I think there's no greater cry of racism than abortion. Than to be okay with murdering innocent children. I don't want to preach on this and talk about this, but this is where it started in our country. Margaret Sanger and um, some people, they were revolutionary people in the 20s begin to bring this concept of abortion to America as a way to ethnically cleanse our country. It was literally why she did it. It was to remove the infidels in their mind from our country. And, and so when there is a, a party that pushes abortion and says that they're for the black community, those two things cannot equate. And I'm just going to say it. I'm bold. You have to be for life. You can't say that I'm pro-black community, pro-African-American community, and say, but I'm okay with, with killing their children at an ab abnormal amount of kids being killed. And so I love that they went after this. And I want, I want to pray, just before I get into the message, I want to pray that, that God would, you know, the innocent blood cries out for justice. And if the church doesn't rise up and put an end to this, now I hope, I hope that our great grandkids and grandkids will look back and say, y'all allowed what to happen? You killed innocent children? And so Jesus, we come to you. You gave your life, you gave your precious blood. You paid an expensive price for our salvation and for our eternal life and for us to have abundant life in this world. And Jesus, we ask that you would take your blood and, and cover this nation. I ask that you would forgive us for the sins of abortion in this land, sins of murder, sins of racism. We ask that you would forgive us for it. We, we are sorry. We're against it, but we also repent for it, God. We haven't been part of it, but we repent for it, God. And I ask that you would bring justice to our nation. I ask that you would remove the weight of the, the innocent lives off of our shoulders as a nation and bring life, a love for life back into this country. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, you in Genesis chapter one? 
Okay, I'm going to read this and then I'm going to talk for a moment. I'm going to talk as long as I've got, I've got about 22 minutes, and I'm going to get as much of this out as I can today. But something just wrecked me uh, this week. We've been talking about being a gatekeeper and being the person that has the authority over, the, over your life and the dominion over the life that you have. And I wanted to start from the beginning and show you something here that I'd never, never really noticed before. But it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form. It was void. In other, in other words, the world was chaos. It was chaos. And darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, see, he was there at creation. The Holy Spirit was there hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. Everyone say that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness, and God called the light day and called the darkness night. So there was evening and morning on the first day. So what did he say after he created light? It was, it was, it was, all right, already? Then God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from waters. <laughs> He's setting up boundary lines, Right? So God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above, and so it was. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning was on the second day. Then God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, let the dry ground appear, and it happened. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters he called the seas. And God saw that it was, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass and herbs and seeds and fruit and trees that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herbs and seeds and fruit, I'm going to skip through some of it, according to its kind, and God saw that it was good, and God saw that it was <clears throat> okay. So the evening and the morning were the third day. Then God said, let there be in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night and let them be signs for seasons and for days and for years and let them bring, let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and it was so. Then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He also made the stars, come on. God set them in the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was, good. God saw that it was good. All right. Y'all. I know it's a lot. This is a lot of scripture, but it's good to remember. So there was evening and morning were the fourth day. Then God said, let the waters abound with abundance of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth and across the face of the heavens. So God created the great seas and sea creatures, uh, every living thing that moves uh, with which the waters abounded according to their kind and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. All right. And God blessed them. They would say God blessed them. And he said, be fruitful and multiply. Amen? So what was the job of anything that was alive? It was to be fruitful and to multiply according to its kind, right? And so there was evening and morning on the fifth day. Then God said, let the earth bring forth creatures according to its kind, cattle and creeping things and beasts on the earth according to its kind. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, all right, here we go. Let us, 
make man in our own image, according to our likeness. Everything else reproduced according to its own likeness. But when God created us, he fashioned us not according to any other likeness that was created, but according to his likeness. It's really good to think about. We were created, like Shigun said, we were created in the image of God, all right? He said, let us make man in our image. Instead of their own kind, let, him, let us make them in our kind, all right? According to our likeness. Let them have what? Dominion. Everyone say authority, dominion. Over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. Then God blessed them. Everyone say, God blessed them. And he said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish and the birds and everything that lives on the earth. Amen? And he says, and I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of the earth, and every tree that gives fruit, and it shall be food for you. Also every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps in there in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food, and it was so. Then God saw everything he made, and he said it was What's the difference? He said it was very good. And then there was evening and morning on the sixth day. See, up until this point, everything that God made, he declared it was good. It was righteous. It was whole. It was the way that it should be. And then when he got to us and he created us in his own image and said, be fruitful and multiply and be multiply in the, in, and multiply the image of God on the earth until you subdue it and have dominion over it and take authority over this planet, he saw that and he said it was very good. It's a distinctly different word for a reason. All right? Very good. That word there means exceedingly abundantly good. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? It says much force and might or strength. So when he created us and he gave us dominion over everything else that he created because we were not made in the same image as they were, we were made in the image of God. He gave us the authority over everything on the earth. He said that was a very good plan. It wasn't just good. You know, Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all you can ask or think. When the Bible says in Deuteronomy 6, verse 5, that you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your might or strength, it's the same word used there as very good. When God saw it and he said it was very good, it's the same word. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your strength, your dominion, your authority, your power, and your might. But something happened in the garden, right? And Adam and Eve traded something that was very good for something that was very bad. In just a little moment of deception, in a moment of believing a lie from the liar who can only tell lies, he's a lying liar that lies, all right? From the moment the enemy speaks, he's telling a lie. I love how Chris Valentin says, even the Bible is a lie in Satan's mouth. He doesn't have the authority to use the word of God because when he does it, he's twisting it and he's perverting it. And he comes to Adam and Eve and he twists the tail and he tells them a lie. 
And the goal was not to get them to sin. The goal was not to get them to realize that they were naked. The goal was not to get them to realize that, that, that God was withholding from them because that was a lie. The goal was to get them to take what was very good and accept something that was very bad. And to take what was very good and hand him the dominion and, and surrender the authority that they had. And that's exactly what happened in the garden. Adam and Eve, when they sinned, they gave over the authority and the dominion that they had to rule over the entire earth. And they handed it to a serpent who had evil intentions. All of the destruction, all of the sin, all of the wars, all of the murder, all of the crime that has happened in all of history comes from this moment in time where we traded something that was very good, where we had the authority and the dominion over the entire earth, and we surrendered it to an enemy who had ill intentions. But Jesus came. Like, this is the whole gospel. Jesus came to bring back that authority. He came back to give us, to remind us, to, to get us to look into the mirror and to remember who we were created in the image of. He wanted to say, hey, he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And he says, so, as, so am, as I am in the world, so are you in this world. Remember who you are. He's holding up a mirror. All of humanity, you weren't created in the image of anything created here. You weren't created with ill intentions. You were created with very good intentions. Remember who you are. Take authority over your life. Take dominion over whatever he's given you. And he held up the mirror, and it was Jesus. And we saw, and because of Jesus, we could see the Father again, not through the lens of the serpent, not through the lens of bad intentions or pain and suffering, but through the pure and holy spotless lamb, we saw the Father again. And it created this atmosphere where we could start over at the garden. And Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come to give you life abundantly. Say abundantly. abundantly. Life very good. It's the same word. Exceedingly, abundantly, very good life I came to give you. He came to restore us back to our right relationship with the Father. The Bible says that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And the word righteous means being in a right relationship with God. We have stepped back into our place as sons and daughters created in his image, given the authority over everything that's on this planet. We have been given the authority. What's the point? When Adam and Eve sinned and they became naked, they became aware of good and evil. But it's even deeper than that, okay? Okay. They became aware of what could harm them. All of a sudden, they became aware that they could be hurt. This is going to be inner healing right here. If you are highly aware of ways that you can be wounded, you need to see Jesus face to face again and be brought back to remember who you are. Because this is something that I don't think we dive into very much, but I, want, I, I think this is some discovery. The best trick that the enemy has is to get us to become aware of where our weaknesses are. 
to get us to, to be aware of how other people can hurt us and wound us. Because what we will do is we will act in error. We will act outside of our dominion and our authority and the righteousness that God has placed us in to protect ourselves. We will fashion leaves to cover our nakedness. We will build up walls. We will keep people at a distance. We will hold on to a fence. We will do all kinds of things, all in the self-interest. And that's what the enemy did in the garden. He, he brought down that, that protection that they felt, that hedge that was built around them, and he got them to see once and for all that they could be hurt by other people, that they could even hurt each other. And not only that they could be hurt, but they also became aware of how they could hurt others. Not only how, how I need to protect myself, but how I can be hurtful myself. How I can wound other people. Oh, I see their weakness. Oh, I see a spot in them that I could attack to keep me safe. And that's what really happened. It's such an evil thing that happened there. We were talking about this last Sunday before, before church, just about the, how God is going to re- release the spirit of the Father, the heart, turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, children to the fathers, and how fatherlessness is the biggest epidemic on our planet. And we were talking about how so many young, you know, I coach a, a soccer team where it's, it's 16, 15 and 16 year old boys, and not all of them have fathers in the picture. And last week, one of our kids, his name is Arturo, and he is, he is me when I was his age. He's a mouthy, competitive, wants to fight. He is, he is reckless. Um, he plays that way, which is great, but then his mouth gets him in trouble. And I think he's gotten a yellow card in, in most of the games we've played in so far because of his mouth. Not, not for being malicious in his play, but because of mouthing off. And last week, the referee was like, okay, look, I've already given him one yellow card. I don't want to give him a red card. The ref was so merciful to him because he deserved it. He's like, coach, you take him off the field. You're going to have to play with 10 men. I don't want to give you a red card. We didn't have any subs. I was like, well, we're getting destroyed anyway. What's it matter? Arturo, get your butt off the field. Get over here. I take him to the sideline and I hit him in his chest. I'm like, look at me. Look at me in the eyes. He wouldn't look at me. I was like, you think you're a man? You walk around here like you got those machismo and you're walking around like you're a big boy and you get out there and act like a little child. And I'm doing this in front of all the parents because we're all on the same side now. And I'm like, look at me. I was like, I want you to do well in soccer, but I want you to have a great life. I'm like, I want you to do well. And if you don't learn how to manage your mouth and respect authority, your life is going to suck, man. I'm telling you right now, you're going to mouth off to the wrong person someday. You're going to lose a job because of your mouth. You're going to ruin a relationship. You've got to stop this. You've got to get control of yourself. And all I could think about is he needs a dad. He thinks this is what a man is supposed to be, but he doesn't realize that a man surrenders to authority. I was like, that man out there with the referee shirt, whether he's good or bad, makes a bad call or not, he is the authority on that field. He goes, he's not an authority. I said, he is the authority on that field. And he doesn't understand. So we were having this talk how I never in my life saw it this way on how if the father isn't present in a person's life, it upends everything. It, it makes it uneasy because there are different male figures that fill that role and it changes all the time. And they're constantly on alert. They're constantly looking out for themselves. I totally understand why he acts the way he does. 
He's got to be big and bad so no one messes with him because there's no one there to defend him as a dad. And that's, that's the way we acted as humans. Until we make our relationship with God right, we go around like a fatherless child, like an orphan who doesn't have a daddy protecting our blind spots. And we're trying to protect ourselves and we puff out and we get all mad and frustrated. We put up walls and barriers and we're prickly. And people get around, they, they bump into our, our, our thorns and our needles and, and it's like not fun to be around. And we, we think it's protecting us and all it's doing is keeping the people we need the most in our life, we're keeping them away from us. And that's what happened in the garden. We pushed daddy away and we all became our own defender, our own, the ones who covered our own nakedness. And all I could think is we've got to see the father again. We've got to see him in his right place in our lives. And I, I want you today to see the father and accept that he's there for you and he's got your back. He has your best interest at heart. Mandy read it. He's looking out. He has plans for you to prosper you, not to harm you. You don't have to defend yourself. You may have been wounded before, but you're not your defender. How many have been wounded before? Raise your hand. Yeah, it doesn't feel good to be wounded. And it is a vulnerable time when you feel, man, I didn't know I could be hurt like that. I was hurt really bad this week, really bad. I hate it when I think I'm over something and then I get really wounded. And I didn't even know that it would wound me, and it did. And it, it took me two days to even talk to Mandy about it. It just wounded me. It was so stupid and petty, but to me, it was a big wound. And it was that place of fatherlessness still inside of me that Jesus is trying to heal and God is still trying to say, I'm your dad. I'll be your father. I don't have to defend myself. I don't have to walk around as an orphan. I don't have to beg. He's going to take care of me. I don't have to manipulate. I don't have to do anything. He will make sure I have everything I need in life. I don't have to strive. I don't have to war with other people. I don't have to feel like if, if I need something and it's here on the table and Jesus gives it to you, I don't need to freak out like there's not any more of that thing that I need. Because what an orphan does, what an orphan does is when, when they get their favorite candy in the house, they hide it from everyone else because they're afraid the candy's gonna be gone when they want it later because there's no more candy. <laughs> so we hide the Oreos in really weird places because we've got three boys in our house that will eat everything they find. I'm almost to where I'm going to hide my own milk because we go through milk like we should just get a cow in our backyard because we go through milk like I'm like, all I want is a glass of chocolate milk. Where is the milk? She's like, we've got almond milk. And I was like, you can't milk an almond. <laughs> <laughs> The point, an orphan feels like if, if I don't keep this, it won't be here tomorrow. If I don't hide it, someone else will get it and I won't get it. That's not the kingdom. There's more, there is an excessive amount of whatever you need in the kingdom. It is very good, exceedingly, abundantly good. He cannot run out of something. If it's not there, he'll make it for you. We've got to stop living like orphans because an orphan will never take the authority that they have because they don't know they have it. And what made what he did in the garden 
very good was that man stepped into their place of authority and he said, that's very good. They took the chaos and created order from it. And if there's chaos in your life, what will attract the very good is for you to fill the chaos with order. Like, what does that even mean? Here's the easiest example that I've heard. So there's a a guy named Jordan Peterson. I absolutely love the guy. He wrote a book called 12 Rules for Life, an anecdote for chaos. If you haven't read it, I promise you, you need to read it. It is one of the best books. It's top five in my list, top five. And one of the things he says to do, he says, make your bed. Get your own house in order. Because by making your bed every morning and by cleaning up your room and creating an order in your house, then maybe you will build up something inside of you that's of value to the rest of society. And by taking care of your stuff, maybe you'll learn how to help take care of other stuff. And he's preaching this message to young millennial men, fatherless men, men that play video games in their basement too much. And he goes and he has these speeches for all these young men and he tells them, get out of your parents' home. Go on an Abrahamic journey. Leave the home of your mother and father and go create some order in the chaos of this world. And the best place to start is just make your bed. You wanna tell the world how to be better and your bed's not made? Go make your bed, then maybe you can fix the world. That's his message. It sounds like what Jesus said. You complain about the the speck, the splinter in all of society's eye, but you've got a log in your own eye. Take care of that, and then maybe you'll properly be able to see how to help your neighbor remove the splinter from their own eye. It's creating order from chaos, and the way that happens is we see the Father in the image of the Son, come on, and we see the Father properly, And when we see him as dad, it positions us in Christ and we're in right relationship with him. And then all of a sudden we remember we were created in his image, not in the image of this world. That's why he kept saying, you're in this world, but you're not of the world. You are aliens. You are strangers. You're in the world, but you're not of the world. You were created in the image of God. This chaos that's in the world is not birthed in you. It's an external thing. You don't have that in you. Stay in me. God, I want very good in my life. You know what's happened all over in these speeches that Jordan Peterson gives? These young men who didn't have jobs, who should have had jobs, that played video games all day, that had no aim in life, they started making their bed. And then they started taking care of their room. And then they got a job. And then they started dressing like it mattered. And he says these young men show up to his events 5,000, 10,000 young men wearing tuxedos, wearing three-piece suits, or wearing the best clothes that they can have 
because he's telling, he's telling them, take care of the chaos in your life, and then you will be a light in darkness and help the chaos of the world. And I think there's no greater message right now as gatekeepers than that message. Is there chaos anywhere in your life? I'm, there's chaos in my life. I want to take care of it. It's out of control. There are weeds. Like, I know, I know doing yard work, like if you stay on it, it's pretty easy. You let it go for a little while, it's like, oh man, not only do I have to mow, I got to rake after I mow because the grass was too, like, it creates a mess. And some of us may have a little bit harder job to get things back in order right now. It may take a little time. That's okay. Take the time. Take all the time you need. But stand up. Stop believing the lie of the enemy that says you have to look out for yourself. You have to create for yourself. Look Jesus directly in the eyes so that you can see the Father properly. You'll remember you're not an orphan, that you're a son and you're a daughter, and that he came to give you abundance. Abundance. Come on, say abundance. Say very good. Once you stand, he came to give us very good. I want us to pray this prayer, so would you repeat it after me, and then we'll, we'll probably do another prayer, but it's Deuteronomy 6, verse 5. It is the prayer that, that we should pray. It's the life we should live. I'm going to say it like this. Father God, I will love you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my strength. Let's convert some chaos into order. Let's be gatekeepers. Let's be light bearers in a dark world, a world we don't belong to. We are citizens of heaven, amen? We are citizens of heaven. We are, we are sons and daughters of the Most High King. We have royalty in our veins. The same authority that, that he spoke the world into creation, he gave that same authority to us to bring order to the chaos of our lives. And then the order to the chaos around us. It's the Great Commission. He will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Father, today we come and we start with us. We clean house. If you, if you just ask the Holy Spirit to search Holy Spirit loves to bring order from the chaos. I use this all the time, but from the movie The Shack, that overview of the garden, when you're at ground level, it looks like, man, this is a crazy garden. It looks like it's out of control, but when it takes the, the, the overhead view, it's gorgeous. It's arranged perfectly. That's what God does to our life. Holy Spirit, I invite you right now. Would you invite Holy Spirit into your life? Because if you invite him, he will create order. He is the activated agent of, of God. He comes to bring order from chaos. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come now into our lives and hover over the places of chaos and bring life where there is no life. Bring boundaries where there are no boundaries. Bring fruit where there is not fruit. Bring healing where there's wounds. Bring, a, bring forgiveness where there is offense, Holy Spirit.
Bring trust where there's skepticism. Hmm. Why don't you just pray as, as Hank comes to close out? Would you just have a conversation with the Lord?